Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIPC. Well, good afternoon on this spectacular Indianapolis afternoon. We welcome you to the Gun Guy Show. We're glad you're here. And man, what an awesome day. I had so much fun today. I've had, I've had just a lot of fun already, and I can't wait to do two hours of radio here on 93 WIBC because uh, I was asked to do a live appearance at the grand reopening of Atkinson Firearms, and they've moved into a new location at Atkinson Firearms, and they're on uh, on Airport Road just south of County Line Road in Greenwood. And listen, I, I met these folks. I met the owners. Uh, it's a beautiful shop. Uh, I really like their inventory. I like what they're what they had to sell. Uh, but we had a, a, a WIBC appearance. I had the WIBC promotion crew out there. I was there. I was selling copies of my books. Sold out of my books. Gun safety and cleaning for dummies. I... I I went there on the Harley. Such a pretty day. I refused to to go on four wheels coming down from uh, Zionsville to Greenwood. So, by God, I'm going to ride the Harley. And so I was somewhat limited uh, since I I have no storage whatsoever on my bike. I mean, these guys with the big dressers and whatnot, I'm a little envious of the amount of storage and whatnot that they have. But I, I like my bike the way it is. And if I'm going to haul something, I, it's got to be in my pockets or in a backpack. And since I was coming to the studio, I needed my headphones and stuff I needed to do to do the show. And uh, I threw 20 copies of my book, the uh, Gun Safety and Cleaning for Dummies book that I wrote. And uh, boom, they were gone the first hour. And that was really nice. If you were there and uh, and bought a book and had me sign it, that meant a lot to me. Uh, I really don't take that for granted at all. And it was great because I got to just shake a lot of hands. A lot of people were there. You know, we uh, put out on social media. And WIBC ran some uh, promotions for this during the week that I was going to be there. And it was just, it was really nice. And the the people there were great and the people that wanted to, uh, shake hands and 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 talk about support of the Second Amendment and how important that is to them, and uh, and if you were nice enough to also you know say you enjoy listening to the show, hey that's that's big deal. Cause, you know that it's it's not about a radio host shouldn't sit here and talk about you know how great their show is or how great their ratings are or how influential their show is. I, I hear that on the radio and it always turns my stomach. That's for other people to say. And you know what? Uh, there were some people in Greenwood today that showed up and said nice things. And I just, if you were there, I just want to say thank you because it, it means, it means a lot. It's a big deal. But 
Yeah, so then I hopped on the Harley and went to lunch there in Greenwood. And, man, I, I like what's going on in Greenwood. There are a lot of new restaurants, uh, some bars. Uh, they're, they're, they've done a good job with, the, the I think, the streets for the most part. I'm sure if you live in Greenwood, you probably uh, may disagree with that to some degree. I'm always whining about the road construction in Zionsville and Carmel, the two places where I have my house and my uh, office. But... Um, Anyway, I just enjoyed my afternoon in Greenwood. Then I hopped on the Harley and had a uh, quick 20, 25-minute ride here to the beautiful studios at 40 Monument Circle at Radio 1. And, hey, now we're going to do two hours of radio. Uh, always want to take your calls. If you were there, by the way, at Atkinson Firearms, you know, tell me what you think of their new shop. Tell me uh, how you thought about the afternoon. I thought it went great. I thought WIBC promotional staff did a fabulous job. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, 2A-related, man, we always enjoy taking your calls. That's the origin of this show. So give us a call, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. In the meantime, let's get into some substance here. I was able, and I talked about this just based on news reports and based on a press conference from our illustrious mayor of Indianapolis, Joe Hogsett talking about his gun control proposals where he's telling the people of the city of Indianapolis how he's going to do such a great job keeping them safe by passing gun gun control regulations at the city level. And, uh, and he said he's going to ban the sale of firearms to anyone under 21. All right, just drop a footnote. What What's the law currently? If to go into a gun shop and buy a gun, how old do you have to be? Well, under federal law, to buy a handgun, you have to be 21. To buy a long gun, rifle, shotgun, you have to be 18. So the only thing that Joe Hogsett would be changing by passing a regulation at the city level is how old you have to be to buy a shotgun or a rifle. Now, everybody wants to wail about so-called assault weapons. But at the end of the day, those semi-automatic rifles, and some are actually pistols, depending on what whose definition you use of this made-up political term, completely ridiculous term of assault weapon or military-style assault weapon. You know, there are a lot of different definitions out there and different proposals. By the way, what... Joe Hogsett did, and I'll get more into this here in a second, is he simply adopted, or the city adopted, the definition of quote-unquote semi-automatic assault weapon that was in the most recent bill that was filed in Congress. Last Congress, passed the House, never got a vote in the Senate. And I'll go into what that means, but essentially semi-automatic rifles, and it goes beyond that. But back up. First proposal we're talking about is you have to be 21 to buy any firearm, any firearm at all. Well, anytime there's a semi-automatic rifle used in a crime, it gets a lot of publicity. The press loves it. The politicians that despise your Second Amendment rights love it. But how, how often does that happen? Nationally, vast majority. This is true in any city, including Indianapolis. The vast majority of murders are committed with handguns. 
and you already have to be 21 to buy a handgun. In a, in, in a, in a, in a firearm shop, from a f- federal firearms licensee, we call it, a licensed firearms dealer. Now, as you read the proposal, it would be illegal for even a private individual to transfer a gun to someone under 21, including a rifle or a shotgun in Marion County. And by the way, Marion County, Joe Hogs at the Indianapolis City County Council can't make new crimes. They can't create new crimes. They can't put people in jail. They can pass an ordinance, which is what this is. That's what the proposal is to do, is pass an ordinance. What's an ordinance do? Well, they can create fines. They can call something, quote-unquote, unlawful, but that doesn't mean you go to jail. It just means they're going to fine you. Unless, well, let's talk about that for a second. So we're going to we're going to limit crime. We're going to prevent dangerous criminals from shooting people because we're going to fine them. So there's already a law against murder. So already a law against things like pointing a firearm, criminal recklessness with a deadly weapon, intimidation with a deadly weapon. So there are a lot of crimes out there involving firearm, including killing people. There's already a law against carrying a handgun as a prohibited possessor. If you're a felon, you're underage, under 18, you're carrying a handgun in public. There's already a law against that. You have a domestic violence order of protection against you. You can't possess a gun, including, by the way, under constitutional care. I had somebody in in a restaurant today while I was having lunch. So I left Atkinson Firearms. After a great two hours, really enjoyed it. Went to lunch, and I'm sitting there getting ready to leave. Somebody recognized me. I said, man, I have a question for you. Don't you think this everybody can carry law we have now in Indiana is contributing to all the shootings in Indianapolis? And I said, who on God's earth told you we have an everyone can carry law? Well, yeah, that's the new law. Anyone, doesn't matter. You can, you can be a criminal it doesn't matter. Anybody can carry a handgun now. So that's the disinformation that's going on out there about constitutional carry. That's not what it means. It's never been what it's meant. And people know that. People don't like it. People don't like the fact that you don't, go, you don't have to go beg permission from the government to exercise your constitutional freedoms. People think you should have to bend the knee, man. Pay homage. Ask the king if you can do what you have a constitutional, a constitutionally guaranteed right to do. Not granted, guaranteed. And so I proceeded to explain that we do not have a everyone can carry law. But if we have all these laws already that prevent bad guys from carrying guns, and then we have laws that say bad guys can't do bad things with guns like, oh, say, kill people, what moron... What complete, oh, man, I wanted to drop an F-bomb there, right there, producer Carl, so bad. It just, yeah, Carl's got his finger over the the dump button right there. Oh, man, what complete, just fill in that yourself, idiot, thinks that a fine is going to prohibit, going to somehow deter a person who is not afraid of the death penalty, he's not afraid of 60 years in prison, 
not he's not afraid to get of dying in a shootout with his fellow bad guy or with police. But he might get fined by the city of Indianapolis. What complete? Oh, yep, no, yep. There you go. Idiot thinks that is going to have any effect whatsoever. It's goofy. It's irrational. But we're going to go through this proposal in more detail. Not just on that point, but the actual substance of it. And and it is conditional. A lot of people were wondering how that was going to be phrased. And it was a news conference where we hadn't seen the actual proposal. I have the proposal right in front of me. You want to see it? It's it's City County Council proposal number 156, comma, 2023. That is the 156th proposal of the year 2023. And it's set for a hearing Wednesday night, by the way. You live in Marion County or otherwise, you want to show up to City County Council building and ha- and voice your opinion on this idiocy? Yeah, please do. I'll be there. I'm going to testify. But in the meantime, we're a little past three quarter or the quarter hour, I should say. We're taking a break. We'll be right back. We're going through this proposal in more detail. And I'll... Uh, I'll give you my uh, unfiltered, well, for the most part, no F-bombs, right, Carl? But uh, for the most part, unfiltered uh, feelings on on the lunacy of this. But then we're going to talk more about what's going on at the federal level. And I'll tell you what, that's good news. If you're a fan of your Second Amendment rights, you care about your Second Amendment rights, what's going on across the country right now in the wake of, and I predicted it, I, I I don't want to say I told you so, but I predicted it in the wake of the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin decision that came out late last year. I said this is going to mean the death knell for a lot of federal gun control across the country and at the state level, too. That's exactly what's happening. That's reason to celebrate. In the meantime, we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. Just had uh, a couple people on the YouTube channel. By the way, if you haven't heard me mention this before, we uh, we do broadcast a uh, live video of the show. <laughs> I always say the same thing. Yeah, not a whole lot to look at. So uh, I'm sure a lot of people prefer the radio version. But if you want to watch a live uh a live broadcast, uh, video-wise, uh, that's on YouTube right now. And, yes, here I'll turn toward the, the camera. I am sporting my 15 seconds uh, T-shirt, 15 seconds, Be Like Eli. Uh, one sleeve got uh, the Two-Way Project logo. Other sleeve got the American flag. And on the back says July 17, 2022. And that's uh, in tribute to the heroism, the courage, and the life-saving capacities of, of, of Eli Dickin, uh, who's become my friend. He's my client, uh, and I'm proud to be so. So you want a 15-second shirt, man? Go to the2wayproject.com. It'll come right up. But thanks for the comment. Uh, somebody says, nice shirt. You know, so my wife says, nice shirt. That doesn't necessarily mean she likes my shirt. And I, I it's taken me a few years to figure that out. So I'm, I'm hoping that was a positive comment. Carl, you laughed at that. I'm taking you, you. You you may have experienced a similar thing in, yeah. in your lifetime. The joys of being married. Yeah, yeah. Nice shirt is sometimes a compliment. Sometimes, but not not most times. <laughs> All right, let's get back into the discussion of the complete idiocy 
going on from the Democrats in Marion County, and particularly from our illustrious mayor. So we got a proposal. And by the way, and I went into some detail on this last week. I won't repeat that discussion. But what what we're talking about here is the city of Indianapolis regulating firearms. Well, there's an inherent problem in that, and the city of Indianapolis cannot regulate firearms. We have something called the Indiana Firearms Preemption Act, and it says political subdivisions, which are units of government below the state, so cities, towns, councils, uh, city councils, county commissions, these people cannot regulate firearms. Now, there are 13 exceptions, and that sounds like a lot, but it's really very limited. For instance, there's one which may come into play right here on Monument Circle, where I am right now. I don't know, based on rumors I'm hearing. But one is an exception to the preemption law that otherwise says local government can't regulate firearms. An exception is if the city leases property to a private organizer or promoter of an event, that organizer or promoter of that event can ban firearms on that property, even though it's on city property. And for a long time, we've called that the Jimmy Ursay exception, because while we were debating the preemption law in 2011, which is when we passed it in the General Assembly, by the way, this is written by Jim Toms, great pro-2A senator from southwestern Indiana, down the Evansville, Poseyville area. When we were debating this, Jim Ursay came out and said, hey, look, I understand I'm pro-2A, I'm pro-gun, but I really don't want guns in then the RCA dome. And so that's when they wrote in this private organizer or promoter of an event like the Colts, who lease property like the stadium, now Lucas Oil, obviously, the newer stadium, they can ban firearms. So when you go into Gainbridge Fieldhouse to watch a Pacer game, yes, they can ban firearms because that's a private organizer promoter of an event that's leasing property otherwise owned by the city. So that's an exception. By the way, let's just go ahead and go into that discussion. Why could that come into play right here on the circle? There's discussion, and, and there was a bit of an announcement, although the announcement was very, very unclear to me, and I'd lo- love to see more clarification on this. The city plans to close to traffic half of the Monument Circle. And again, the studio right here, we're on the fourth floor. We look right down on the circle. It's a beautiful view. I've always loved coming here to do the show, in part for that reason. But they're talking about closing off half the circle to traffic, to vehicular traffic, allow foot traffic, and then having a lot more vendors and, I don't know, shops or whatnot out on the pavement or the bricks of Monument Circle. And what I just heard recently from people I deeply trust is that the the plan they're not necessarily talking about yet is they're going to hire a private organizer or promoter to, to, to lease, I don't know, organize, whatever it might be, the vendors and whatnot on this closed part of Monument Circle and then put up metal detectors and say since the city has leased half of Monument Circle to a private organizer or promoter of an event, it's just like a Colts game or a Pacer game where you can't, carry firearms because that private organizer promoter of the event is banning firearms there. So if I, I don't know exactly what half they're talking about. My Originally, I thought it was going to be the west half 
essentially from meridian to meridian, meridian on the south side to meridian on the north side. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that works. So I, I suppose if I walk out of the studio after doing my show, and am I lawfully carrying a firearm right now? Well, of course I am. And if I walk out onto the band part, I walk out of the studio, I walk out of the Emmis building, I don't know if there's going to be a metal detector right there or not, but it's going to get interesting. And by the way, they can't arrest me. They, again, I go back to the point. The city can't create crimes. They can't put people in jail. They can find me and they can kick me out. They can say, oh, you have a firearm. You're not allowed to have a firearm here. And if I refuse to leave after being told to leave, they can arrest me for criminal trespass. Just like if I try to get into a Colts game with a gun. And they say, I go through the metal detector or they wand me or whatever it is. And they say, well, you can't bring a gun in here. And I say, well, I don't care. I'm bringing a gun in here anyway. And I refuse to leave. All right. They can arrest me for trespassing. Is that is what going to go on? on? On Monument Circle. And the idea that I, as someone, yes, with a lifetime license to carry. Yes, I can lawfully carry under constitutional carry. Someone with no criminal history whatsoever. I can walk out of the studios. A 40 Monument Circle onto a closed portion of Monument Circle, and they're going to want to put me in jail after they've trespassed me because I'm carrying a firearm because firearms are prohibited on half of Monument Circle. That is what I hear the proposal to be. That's separate from this proposal that's going to be heard in committee Wednesday night, but it was a good time to go into that discussion. I'll tell you what, we'll stop the discussion there. Let's take a break here at the bottom of the hour. We want to take your phone calls, as we always do, 317-239-9393, 317-239-9393. We'd love to hear from our callers, and especially if you were out at Atkinson Firearms today. I really had just a great afternoon. I really like the people out there. I love the people who showed up. I wish I took more books, man. I sold out of Gun Safety and Cleaning for Dummies, and it meant a lot to me that people wanted to uh, buy a book and get it signed, and that was all just a lot of fun. In the meantime, we're taking a break. This is Guy Rolford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it, but make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in central Indiana for The Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And welcome back to the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. So let's get back into the current proposal. And again, this idea about blocking off half the circle and whatnot, that apparently is something they want to do down the road, but the Proposal has been filed. It was filed on June 1. And is going to be heard in the Public Safety and Criminal Justice Committee Wednesday night, I think at 5 o'clock, 5.30, perhaps. But uh, I'll be there. I'm going to testify. I've actually been asked by two of the, what, I think there are six Republican city county council councilors now out of 25 with, I don't know, 19 or 20 Democrats, but a couple of the Republicans asked me to, to be there and to, to voice my thoughts, and I'm happy to do so. But I'll share my thoughts with you here, since obviously most of you are not going to be at the City County Council committee meeting Wednesday night. And I went through the first part of this proposal. That is, 
Nobody under 21 can buy a gun in Marion County, including the way it's written from a private individual. It just says, it shall be unlawful in Marion County for a person under 21 years of age to purchase a firearm. It shall be unlawful in Marion County to sell a firearm to a person under 21 years of age. As used in this section, the term firearm has the definition set forth in Indiana Code, da da da, which just sets out the traditional statutory definition of a gun. So, we're not talking about just from a dealer, it could be from a private individual. So, consider this your 19 year old son comes back from Iraq or Afghanistan here recently. And they left their military weapons in the military, obviously, so they are now home. And they had a great job. You know, 19, 20 years old, they were driving a tank. They were operating an artillery unit. They were operating a drone. They were operating some of the more sophisticated weapons the United States military has to offer. And they come home and they, and they say to you, you know, I... I I'm coming up on my next birthday. Say it's my 20th birthday. What do you want for your birthday? You know what? I'm going to start shooting sporting clays. I think I'd like to start shooting sporting clays. I think it'd be a great hobby. A lot of people do. It's a lot of fun. I heard Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show talk about shooting sporting clays, and he loves it. So, you know, I'd love, for my next birthday, I'd love a sporting clay shotgun. In Marion County, Mayor Joe Hogsett, is telling you under this proposal that you can't give your son, 20-year-old son, military veteran, a sporting clay shotgun. How? F-bomb F there, yeah, Carl, watch, watch that dump button. How incredibly stupid is that? Is that, is that going to stop crime? And again, they can't make it a criminal offense. Unbelievable. But let's keep going. It then talks about it shall be unlawful in Marion County to buy, sell, possess, display, carry, brandish, or discharge. So this includes buy, sell, possess. So possess. A semi-automatic assault weapon, as that term is defined in the proposed federal assault up in ban of 2023. So there, there's a federal bill that's been introduced. It's not going anywhere because the feds know they can't pass it. Even the Democrats in Congress know they can't pass it. But Joe Hawks is going to pick up that definition and make that illegal in Marion County. Not, again, not that it's a crime, but they, they're going to fine you, a pinch, uh, apparently. And buy, sell. So if you're a gun shop and you sell ARs, most commonly owned rifle in America. You can't sell them under this proposal. It's unlawful. They'll fine you. I suppose theoretically they can threaten your zoning. I don't know. In the proposal itself, by the way, there are no defined penalties. I'm sure there's a general penalty provision associated with any violation of this chapter. It's probably... You know, a first offense is, is a fine of something like $500, and it can go up to something like $2,500, but that's even limited. 
of what they can find you, but but that's all they can do is find you. Can't put you in jail. The city of Indianapolis cannot define criminal penalties. So they're going to ban so-called semi-automatic assault weapons. So, all right, IMPD, Joe hogs it. The vast majority of the rank and file of IMPD are going to laugh at this. They could care less. I have a, quote-unquote, semi-automatic assault weapon in a locked safe mounted in the trunk of my car right now. It's my AR. It's in a safe. It's secure. But I would be committing a, quote-unquote, unlawful act under this proposal right now. I'm a law-abiding citizen, no criminal history, and the city of Indianapolis wants to make that unlawful based on my possession of the most commonly owned rifle in America. Then it goes on to say, No person shall carry a handgun in Marion County without having applied for and received a handgun license from the Indiana State Police. I'm paraphrasing the last part. So essentially they're saying they're not going to allow constitutional carry, even though it's been passed by the legislature of the state of Indiana. And then lastly, the fourth one, they go on to say, actually, notwithstanding that, Ignore that completely. No person shall carry a concealed firearm anywhere in Marion County. I'm carrying a concealed firearm right now. Man, I'm I'm like all over this proposal. You would think I would be the target of what Mayor Hogsett and the city and the Democrats at least on the City County Council are really concerned about. Guy Relford, sitting in the Radio One studio, law abiding citizen. They're concerned about me. Does that make any sense to you? And by the way, if, if I'm looking at a $2,500 fine, if I get caught concealing, concealed, carrying a, a firearm in Marion County, is that going to influence my behavior? I don't know. <laughs> we'll wait for that to be seen. Is it going to influence a criminal who's going to murder somebody? Does that make any sense to you? Of course, it does not. But I'll tell you what, we're taking a break now. We're a little past the three-quarter hour. We come back, I want to talk about, forget about the preemption statute that says the city of Indianapolis can't do any of this anyway. Forget about that for a minute. Let's get into whether this would pass constitutional muster, whether this would be constitutional under the Second Amendment or Article One, Section 32 of the Indiana Constitution, irrespective of whether... The preemption statute makes it illegal to begin with. That's what we'll get into when we come back. Again, give us a call, 317-239-9393. We're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. You know, we've got kind of a short segment here. Um, We do want to start taking calls. We've got a couple people on hold uh, please join the discussion. We're going to go to the phone lines here in the second hour. So give us a call, 317-239-9393. But I'm, I'm going to talk about whether any of this is constitutional. Because, by the way, the proposal makes it very clear. And it starts right out. The council, meaning the city county council in Marion County, recognizes that the provisions of the rest of the proposal 
are currently unenforceable under the Indiana statute restricting most forms of gun regulation by local governments. So they start off right right away acknowledging that. So they're basically saying, we can't do what we're going to do in the following provisions of this proposal. But then they say, however, if at some point the preemption statute is somehow withdrawn or overturned and we get a written notice from corporation counsel, that's essentially the city attorney, saying, hey, you're good to go. The preemption statute has gone away and the following provisions do not violate the Indiana or state constitution or any other Indiana statute, then they go into effect. Let's go through that. The the preemption statute is not going away. There's no appetite in the Indiana General Assembly to repeal the preemption. It's a great law. It's a great law because it prevents idiots like Joe Hoxton from doing exactly what they're proposing to do here. In fact, by passing this thing, they will give us the best argument in the history of the preemption statute. Over the last 12 years, it's been in effect. This is why we need this statute. Because the idiots, like the Marion County City County Council, will pass into things that they know are unconstitutional, they know are illegal, but they don't care. That's why we need to have the preemption statute to begin with. They've given us the most beautiful argument for that ever. Separately, are any of these things constitutional? Of course not. We've already had courts say preventing the sale of firearms to people under 21 is unconstitutional. We have the Supreme Court of the United States say that New York's law, making it discretionary on whether to grant somebody a concealed carry license, is unconstitutional. And they want to ban concealed carry completely in Marion County? The Supreme Court has said specifically that's unconstitutional. Of course not, of course not, of course not. We're going to get into the first hour. We're going to come back and start hour number two. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in central Indiana for the Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7. Well, and welcome. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back for hour number two of the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. I want to say thanks again to the wonderful folks at Atkinson Firearms. They're on uh, Airport Road, just south of, uh, of of County Line Road in Greenwood. Uh, beautiful new facility. That's It was a grand reopening today. They invited me out uh, for their reopening. I was there for two hours and I sold a bunch of my books, uh, Gun Safety and Cleaning for Dummies, signed them, shook a lot of hands, posed for a lot of pictures. It was just a lot of fun. But in the meantime, got to see a beautiful new gun shop there in Greenwood. Greenwood's lucky to have these folks. They're good people. It's a family-owned business, and I enjoyed being there, and I really wish them great success. But in the meantime, it was really fun to be there, and it was really nice. Uh, we had people there standing in line for a while and 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 want to take a picture shake hands or buy a book. And I don't know, it meant a lot to me. So I, I, I had a big smile on my face the whole time I was there because I really enjoyed interacting with the, the folks there and, and, and in particular the, 
the people who listen to the Gun Guy show, and it was it was just nice. It was awesome. But I'll tell you what, we're going to get more into what's going on nationally on the gun control scene and some really, really good developments. I mean, yeah, we have constant idiocy here in Marion County, but, man, what's going on at the national level? And it all impacts, again, what these anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment, anti-Constitution politicians want to do here in Marion County and otherwise uh, because uh, we're getting some rulings from courts that are uh, are pretty spectacular and, and predicted. And listen, when, when the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case came out, it's, it's and, and New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, and uh, it came out in 2022, late 2022. And what it did is it, it, it found the handgun licensing scheme statute requirements in New York that required you to have a sufficient cause a sufficient need to carry a handgun before they would issue you a handgun license to carry a concealed firearm outside the home. So the fundamental question is, is there a right to carry a concealed firearm outside the home? And can the state deny that to the vast majority of its citizens by finding they simply don't have the requisite need, the level of necessity to exercise a constitutionally protected freedom. And the court said, no, when you can arbitrarily deny that to the majority of the population, it's no longer a right guaranteed by the Constitution. It's a privilege granted by the government. That's not how the Second Amendment works. So it's unconstitutional. And that was just a discretionary system where some people got licenses and some people didn't. Again, Mayor Hoxett and the Democrats on the... City County Council, at least some of them, want to make it illegal to carry a concealed firearm in Marion County for anybody. Does nobody there read Supreme Court decisions? Do they really not understand what the U.S. Supreme Court just said about the Second Amendment and what you can do and what you can't do as the government? Did any of the lawyers in the city attorney's office graduate law school? Because guess what? They taught us how to read opinions. They taught us how to read court decisions. And nobody who reads Bruin can look at the proposal that we just talked about during the first hour and think that it's constitutional. Nobody. Nobody can read the decisions coming down saying things like, it's illegal to say you're under 21, you can't buy a gun. It's unconstitutional. I'm trying to leave that behind, but I keep coming back to it in the meantime. What's going on nationally on some of these issues? Striking down laws that are part of the Brady Bill, been around since 94. Striking down great big old bloody chunks of it. And I'll get into that as we go on. In the meantime, I've had some people call in. always love it when people call the Gun Guy Show. Love to talk to our callers. So let's go to the phone lines and answer some questions. And Keith has called in. Keith, what's your question there, buddy? Keith, are you there, man? Ah, oh, Keith, you're snoozing on us, bro. I'm going to put you on hold for just a minute. And uh, I, I know we had you on hold for a bit, man. You may have walked away from your phone. 
Uh, but man, you got you got to be ready when you, when you call the Gun Guy Show. Let's go back to the phone lines, and we've got Matt. Matt, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, I'm man. a forty I'm a forty eight year old father of three, who's a little bit behind on this new law. I have a lifetime concealed carry permit. Uh-huh. But here's my question: I've got a twenty one year old, a nineteen year old, and a seventeen year old, who you know will soon be eighteen. I'm just trying to find out. What can dad tell them that each of them are allowed to do at their respective ages? And, like, can they open carry and conceal carry just like a, a summation? I want to make sure that I'm giving them solid legal advice about what they're able to do as they're walking into their adulthood. Sure, Matt. And you know what? You know, uh, uh, I have a lot of praise for you uh, wanting to know, wanting to make sure that you're giving the right information to your kids. I mean, hey, man, 17, I think you said 19 and 20, or about to turn 21. Uh, that's a big deal. And uh, I'm glad you want to give them the right information. I'll tell you what, you can uh, you can shortcut this a little bit. I'm going to answer your question. Um, but you can shortcut this a little bit. Go to uh, our website at the 2A Project. Again, I'm really proud of the 2A Project. Uh, we founded it to specifically fight for 2A rights here in Indiana. We were right out front on constitutional carry. We helped write it. We were at every committee hearing. Uh, we helped get it passed. And there are legislators in Indiana who will tell you that constitutional carry wouldn't have passed if it wasn't for the 2A project and our members and our support uh, for that statute. And I'm really proud of that. But in the meantime, you can go to the2aproject.com and just scroll down to articles. And I wrote, not long after constitutional carry was signed by Governor Holcomb and went into effect July 1st last year, I read an article that said constitutional carry fact sheet. And it just says, what does it do? What does it not do? And it's not a long article, and you can have that. You can show it to your kids. You can go down through it. But what it says, essentially, and, and I don't have it in front of me, but what it says is that if you're at least 18 and you're not prohibited by state or federal law from possessing a firearm, you can lawfully carry a handgun in Indiana. Where you can otherwise lawfully carry a handgun. In other words, if it's illegal somewhere to possess a firearm, like school property, and there are exceptions to the school property bill. I won't go, in, go into all those now. It's part They deal with you know, having it in your vehicle, et cetera, et cetera. But without going through the exceptions, if it's otherwise legal to possess a gun in a particular place, you're at least 18 and you're not prohibited by state or federal law, constitutional carry says you can carry a handgun. Now, who's prohibited by state or federal law? And again, you have to be 18. So two of your three kids are good to go under constitutional care. Assuming they're not prohibited possessors, I'm sure they're not. They're not felons. They're not domestic batterers. They're not under a domestic violence order of protection, et cetera, et cetera. But, and I go through the prohibited possessors, by the way, in the article, as I recall. So if you're, unless you're, if I should say you're at least 18, you can carry if you're not prohibited. Now, this applies to residents and non-residents. I assume you and your kids are Indiana residents, but even if you're not an Indiana resident, it applies to you as well. It doesn't affect who can buy a gun. And again, 
to buy a handgun from a federal firearms licensee, which is any dealer, any gun shop, place that's licensed by the federal government to sell guns, you got to be 21 to buy a handgun. Got to be 18 to buy a long gun. Again, that's something our idiot mayor here in Mary County is trying to change. Doesn't change the process for buying a gun. You buy a gun in a gun store, you have to go through a background check. Doesn't change who can possess a firearm. If it was unlawful for you to possess a firearm before, it's unlawful for you to possess a firearm today. It doesn't change where you can carry a gun. And you got to know where is it legal, where is it not. I mean, I, again, I teach my Indiana gun law course. I'm getting ready to teach it out at Parabellum, great gun store and indoor range out in Avon. Full class, man. They got a beautiful classroom. We could seat 50 in there. I think I actually have one seat available, but I'm not advertising the course because I don't want to oversell it. I don't want people having to not have a comfortable seat. But we talk about where you can carry, where you can't. But that's basically it. That's a summary, but I do. I commend you to the article, Constitutional Carry Fact Sheet at the2aproject.com. By the way, the article right before that, I go through how reciprocity works. So can you carry out of state under constitutional carry? I go through that as well. I need to update that because two things have changed. Florida has passed constitutional carry, I believe, effective July 1. And North Dakota has changed their law. It used to be restricted to only North Dakota residents. They were the only state out of the now 26 states. The majority of states in the country have passed constitutional carry. How about that? The majority. But North Dakota was the only state that said it only applied to North Dakota residents. Well, they just changed that. They just voted to change it, and I believe it's something like August 3rd. It, they, they're changing that to where it also applies, like every other state that's passed it, including Indiana, applies to non-North Dakota residents as well. So I need to update that article to reflect those two things. Florida has passed constitutional carry, effective here um, in less than a month. And North Dakota changed their law about non-residents. But anyway, beyond that, that article provides a lot of information about how you can travel out of state under constitutional carry or with a license. And you said you have a license to carry. You said concealed carry, Matt. It's not a concealed carry license. I always want to gently and politely correct people on that. Why? Because you can carry open or concealed. By the way, I didn't answer this part of your question. Under constitutional carry, you can also carry openly or concealed. Under our license, you can carry open or concealed. And with constitutional carry, you can carry openly or concealed. Now, do I ever carry openly? Occasionally, I'm going to the range, I'm teaching a class. Otherwise, hey, it's legal. I'm not going to criticize anybody who does it. I have good friends and people I respect that do it. I don't personally choose to open carry, but I think it's a matter of personal freedom. In the meantime, we're past the quarter hour. We're taking a break. Matt, thanks for calling. I hope I answered your question. If you still have any questions at all, you can go to that article. Again, it's the2aproject.com. Scroll down to articles, and it's constitutional carry fact sheet. And and, and please, share it, distribute it, send the, the link around, because uh, I want people to understand what the facts and not the fiction that gets distributed on constitutional carry all the time. In the meantime, Keith, man, if you're still on hold, we, we came to you, man. 
you were you you were slumbering. You probably had to go to the bathroom or something. I understand. You were on hold for a while. We're going to try you one more time. In fact, producer Carl is going to come on and see if you're with us, Keith. But in the meantime, uh, give us a call, 317-239-9393. That's 317 317- Two three nine ninety three ninety three. Join us. We'll be on. We'll be. We'll be continuing. I should say the discussion when we come back. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on ninety three WYBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on ninety three WYBC. Thanks for. Uh, thanks to I should say producer Carl for doing his fabulous job as he always does. And I'll tell you what, Keith is apparently back with us, Carl. Do I understand that correctly? Yes, Let, he is. Let's go back to the phone lines. Keith, man, you, you, were, you were sleeping on us, man. I went to take a break. I apologize. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> you know, I can't really complain too much, Keith, brother, because, you know, we leave you on hold for 15, 20, 25 minutes. And, uh, and especially, you know, at my age, I mean, you sound younger than me. Hey, man, uh, that's about time no, I, I got to go hit the head. So. No, I'm your age. No. <laughs> anyway. That's all right. So what? which question? Hey, yeah, well, just uh, just to give you a feel, um, you know, I, I was one time a, one of those returning soldiers, and you talk about their rights. And all that. Do you know what the rights for them on base is? Do you have a feel for that? What the laws are on yeah, possession of a gun can, on military base? I can tell you. If you think it's bad here in Indiana, just pick Fort Benning, okay? Home of the infantry, airborne, all that. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, 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 yeah. A, there's a couple of different things to talk about, Keith, and, and uh, thanks for calling us, buddy, and thanks for your patience. A um, couple of different things. The, the U.S. military sets its own regulations. For the most part, U.S. military regulations are that unless you're an MP, unless you've been specifically issued – a firearm as part of the, the, the duty you're on, on that military base, you can't possess a firearm. And, and, and so they, they issue limited amount of firearms to people based on the specific duty that they're going to fulfill. But the, the, the rank and file of folks, you know, they're on the military base uh, are not allowed to possess firearms for the most part. Now, there was a lot of, of uproar about that because we had we've had several shootings on military bases, and um, you know at uh, Fort Hood there were two different shootings and they were clearly terrorism. By the way, I mean one person motivated by by radical Islamic ideology uh, murdered a bunch of soldiers at Fort Hood, and the the Pentagon called it workplace violence of all the idiotic things I've ever heard. And then, and then we had shootings on other bases. We had shootings on uh, National Guard bases. We had shootings, was it Chattanooga? I think Chattanooga and Nashville? This is off the top of my head if I'm getting those wrong. I believe it was both. And we had at, at uh, a recruiting station and then on a base itself. And get this, the, the people, they're soldiers. They're trained by the United States government to carry weapons and defend this country. And they were unarmed. They couldn't defend themselves. And and listen, I've never served in the military, and so there are a ton of people out there that know infinitely more about these things than I do. Uh, I have an awful lot of friends in the military, and I talk to them often, but I can't speak from personal experience because I never served. But for the most part, you know, in a military base, you got to go to the armory 
you got to have a, a, a reason to be issued a firearm, and you got to be issued both firearm and ammunition. And, and I've talked to soldiers, uh, people serving, who've said, yeah, even when we go train, you, you, you get a certain amount of ammunition given to you, you, you shoot a certain number of shots, there are people counting your shots, and, and whatever ammunition you didn't fire on the range, as far as documented on the range and the training exercise, you turn back in. And they're counting the rounds. And so, for the most part, you're not allowed to carry a firearm on a military base. Now, again, there are guards or MPs or people who have jobs that they're doing at the time on the base that, that possess firearms, but pretty much nobody else does. And that, and that, and that prompted, for instance, in terms of National Guard bases, here in Indiana, then Governor Pence, after the, gosh, I want to say Chattanooga, was the shooting. Somebody sit in front of your computer or your phone you know, and Google that and uh, call producer Carl and, and tell me if I'm getting that wrong. I want to say Nashville as well. I think there were two. But at any rate, there were shootings at, at, at a recruiting station and or a base. And some governors around the state, including our own then Governor Pence, obviously went on to become vice president, now running for president, signed an executive order that said as long as a National Guardsman in Indiana had gone through a, a handgun training course. Then they could carry their personal handguns on base, on, at, on National Guard bases in Indiana. And and you know what happened immediately? I got contacted. This is very cool. And again, I you can figure out the year just based on 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 the shooting uh, in in Tennessee, and then uh, when Pence was still governor. But after that executive order, I got asked to, to train a bunch of National Guardsmen. And one of the coolest things I've ever done, I did it three different times. Went down to the Johnson County National Guard base and went on there. And uh, and by the way, I, I, kinda, I was kind of tempting fate a little bit, I suppose. I, I open carried my handgun uh, when I went in to teach this course because I thought, well, I'm being asked to come there at, at their invitation. Uh, we'll see how this goes. Is <laughs> by the way for us as civilians, it's generally illegal to carry a gun on a military base. Now I've carried at Fort at, at uh, Camp Atterbury. I've taught uh, courses at Camp Atterbury. I've been a guest instructor down there. Um, but for the most part, you can't carry a gun as a civilian on a military base either. And they'll arrest you for that. But um, I actually went and trained a whole bunch of Indiana National Guardsmen. At one point, the first one I taught. Down there, I put these pictures on my Facebook because I was really proud of it. We had a great big old classroom there at the Johnson County uh, uh, National Guard base. I think we had 50 or 60. I don't know. As I get older, I exaggerate. But we had a bunch of National Guards men and women in there and took this course. And after that course, man, according to uh, Governor Pence's executive order, they could carry their personal handguns uh, on base uh, while on duty, which is pretty damn cool. But for the most part, that's how that works. I'm sure there are, there are folks out there who have more personal experience than me um, who, who could provide additional detail. But in the meantime, here we are at the bottom of the hour. We, hey, great callers so far. Uh, give us a call, 317-239-9393. When we come back, I'll get, go into a little more of what's going on on a national basis. And for the most part, 
what's going on in the courtrooms and the appellate courts across the country on two-way issues. It's all good, and it's coming out of directly coming from the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case uh, that is v. Bruin Supreme Court decision, and that's a big deal, and it's all going our direction. Uh, and we'll go into what that really means for us as Hoosiers when we come back. In the meantime, as I say, give us a call, 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in central Indiana for The Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7. And welcome back to the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. I'll tell you what, we've had a handful of folks call in. We'd love to take our uh, callers' questions and comments. Let's go right to the phone lines. We've got Jay. Jay, what can I do for you, buddy? How are you doing, sir? Good, man. Thanks for calling. Good. Hey, I just wanted to touch base to see if you had an update on all the things going on at the 2A project. Um, I'm a supporter and a member and appreciate the work that you're doing and just I wonder if you give an update on what's coming down the road. Oh, man, I appreciate that question a lot, Jay. And thanks so much for being a member uh, and a supporter. That means a ton. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what. We, we actually, this year, you know, after getting constitutional carry passed last year, which was such a focus, um, we didn't want to take a year off. And so there are a number of things that we worked on this year. Um, a couple of things that we still, man, three, four years in a row now, we can't get through, and it's because Republicans are holding. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This up. Um, there was a bill to prevent financial discrimination against uh, industries, businesses involved in the firearms industry, credit card companies, banks, uh, credit card processors uh, who discriminate and just say, no, if, if even if you're a lawful business associated with the firearms industry, we won't do business with you. And uh, and it was a great bill, and, and it was uh, sponsored by uh, National Shooting Sports Foundation. And... Um, NSSF and 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 it was a really good bill because it said, for instance, that listen, we're not going to tell businesses how to do business. I mean, right? Uh, you're a private business; you can do business the way you want to. However, if you discriminate against and and unless you have internal policies that prevent the discrimination against lawful businesses associated with Second Amendment related activities, then the state of Indiana simply won't do business with you. And see, I love that because that's not government telling private businesses how to work. It's just saying, all right, the state of Indiana doesn't choose to do business with you. Conduct your business however you want to. Guess what? We have the same opportunity. We have the same right as the state of Indiana to decide who we do business with. And we won't do business with you. And it was awesome. But uh, we can't get we can't get that through or at least past the Republicans. Another one was to allow you to point your firearm uh, so as to protect your property, you know, after the riots in 2020, there were there were folks downtown in front of their businesses with firearms. And the way the law works right now, if somebody's coming up to destroy your business, now again, it's important. It's an important distinction. They're not threatening you because then the rules are different. But if they're just going to destroy your property, like your business, and again, this 
doesn't apply to your home. If you're talking about your home, that's castle doctrine. That's a different set of rules. But just your business, so your car or your, you know, your your jewelry shop that you own downtown. If somebody's going to destroy your business today, and and you point your firearm at them and say, "No, you're not going to destroy my livelihood. You're not going to destroy my property." Then you go to jail for a felony for the crime of pointing a firearm. And there's a case out there. Uh, it's called Nance versus State. It's from, I want to say, 2012, 2010. But it says that you may not point your firearm merely to protect your property. Again, other than your home, can you point your, your gun at somebody to prevent them from breaking into your home? Yes. You can actually use deadly force to prevent someone from breaking into your home. But property other than your home, so your your business, your car, your other property, if you point your gun to protect your property in Indiana, you go to prison on a felony. That's ridiculous. And we're trying to get that changed. That was unsuccessful. Something that didn't get a lot of fanfare, it's not a huge deal to a lot of people, but I, I fought for it. I wrote the bill. And that was we had judges in some counties, and, and notably Elkhart County, who refused if they granted an expungement. And expungements, again, I do a lot of them. I'm proud to do them. I like doing them. I like restoring people's rights after they may have made a mistake a long time ago. There are time requirements. It has, has to be in your past, and you've got a clean record since then. You can get felonies expunged off your record, and that restores your rights. We had some judges who refused to put the restoration language, that is, that your rights have been restored to possess a firearm. They refused to put that in the expungement order. They just said, no, we don't do that in this county. And we said, well, it's language right out of the statute. Yeah, we don't care. So we got a bill passed uh, with the help of some great Republican legislators, uh, Aaron Freeman, and most notably, um, my good friend Jerry Tor worked hard on this, is we, 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 had, we amended the expungement statute to say, if you grant an expungement order, you have to put the language in that restores somebody's gun rights. That's a big deal, and that's going to that's going to apply for you know generations to assist thousands and thousands of people. Coming up next year, you know, we're more things we want to do. Uh, for instance, um, if you if if somebody start, starts a red flag case against you, and you win, you establish you're not dangerous, and it could be frivolous. I've handled multiple frivolous red flag cases. Again, what's a red flag case? It's a gun seizure case where someone calls cops and says, man, guy's crazy. Guy's going to kill me. Guy has guns. You need to come take his guns. And that could just be my crazy neighbor who's mad about where I leave my trash cans. I literally had that case. Not against me. It was a, for a client. The guy made up a story about his, guy, his neighbor threatening him with a gun because he was mad about trash cans. And we won the case and established it was all BS and 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 he was never dangerous and, and we won the case. But that's still on his record because an expungement is actually a civil proceeding in Indiana. A criminal case where you get arrested but there are no criminal convictions that come out of that arrest, you can get that expunged a year after the case is dismissed. You can get that expunged off your record. Do you know, right now you can't expunge a red flag case where someone contends you're dangerous. You're a danger. You're a, you're you're an imminent danger to yourself or others. That's what the state of Indiana has said based on somebody's report. You can't expunge that off your record. It stays right there on your criminal history. Somebody does a background check on you and says, "Wow, 2022, 
Somebody said Guy Relford was in imminent danger to himself or others and in possession of firearms and got his gun seized. And okay, he won the case, but mm, I'm not sure I want to hire that guy to do a job at my company. That's crazy. That's crazy. So we're, we're working on a bill right now to be able to expunge red flag cases if, they're, if you win and, establish, and it's established that you're not dangerous. We want to uh, be able to expunge that, seal that off your record so nobody doing a background uh, search on you uh, can find that. Uh, there are other things out there. There are additional changes to the uh, uh, preemption statute we're looking at. There are different, additional changes uh, to some of the gun, uh, or, or I should say guns on school property statute. There's some other things we're looking at. Um, but, man, we got a long list, and we always like get, getting ideas from our members. You know, some people, you know, send us stuff that it, it's not necessarily feasible. But, hey, um, we, we, we're open to all ideas, and we want to take input from our members uh, about what we can accomplish. So so uh, we appreciate that call very much. I'll tell you, we're a little past the three-quarter hour, so we're taking a break. We'll come back. We'll go back to the phone lines. And I'll tell you, Bob has called. He served on a military base in Germany and has, I think, an interesting observation about my discussion on some of the rules on military bases and how silly they can be. Uh, but Rick's also called. Uh, we'll go to the phone lines and we'll get back to, again, what's going on at the federal level to wrap up the Gun Guy Show for our last segment when we come back. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And welcome back for what's going to be a brief last segment here. Let's talk about what's going on nationally. And, and just quickly, uh, the, the Federal District Court for the Third Circuit. Now listen, this is the federal appellate court that just has jurisdiction over the federal court's in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, and the Virgin Islands. So this doesn't apply to us right here in Indiana as yet. The Supremes would have to rule or the Circuit Court of Appeals where we where we live. Um, and, and in Indiana, the Seventh Circuit um, has jurisdiction over us. We're, Indiana is a member of the Seventh Circuit. So it's a different circuit, different jurisdiction. But they just ruled that the, the longstanding, longstanding is part of the Brady Bill, that says, and part of the Gun Control Act of 1968 as well, but it says that, that any person who has a felony, just, just defined as a crime for which you could have served over a year, that as to nonviolent felons, that's unconstitutional. And they applied this text, history, and tradition standard, the test of Bruin, the case I keep talking about, to say, you know what, when the founders talked about keeping firearms away from certain people, they're talking about people that are truly dangerous, who are violent, who are a danger to society. If you have a conviction for some crime in, involving no violence whatsoever, and the, the, the case involves somebody convicted of welfare fraud, if I recall correctly, I said, well, it was still a felony, or at least it was a crime for which you could have been sentenced to more than a year. So you can't possess firearm under federal law. And the, and the circuit, Third Circuit came out and said, no, no. The, the, the founders, the, the, the text of the Second Amendment certainly doesn't support that. And the history and tradition of Second Amendment regulation in this country doesn't support the idea of, of, of making it a crime for nonviolent people to possess firearms and exercise their Second Amendment rights. 
That's a big deal. And it's an example of how the Bruin, how the Bruin case is really sending things in the right direction. I want to go to the phone lines. We don't have a lot of time, but Bob's been on hold for a while. And Bob, I understand you were uh, uh, in the military and served on a base in Germany and had an observation about uh, the regulations about possessing a gun on a military base. Yeah, I was a, a tanker at a German base, oil flicking and bomb. Oh, awesome. Guard duty came up, and I was issued a forty-five pistol. Well, get this. They gave me three bullets to guard that motor pool with three. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's not funny. No, it kind of is. Not it's, a it's funny in that it's, it's ridiculous. And 30-round magazines would think nothing of snuffing me out to get a hold of one main gun round out of the tank, which uses C4 for propellant. And, 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 and Bob, was there ever any rationale of why it was, why you could only be trusted with three rounds of ammunition? I don't know. That's what, I, you know, that was, I was dumb with those people in and there. <laughs> well, I'm serious. Listen, and I, listen, I know you don't think it's funny because it had to be frustrating at the time, and I agree with you. I just think it shows you the idiocy of some of these policies, that you're guarding you know, uh, important military assets, and you only can be trusted with three rounds of ammunition. Hey, that's what we're dealing with. In the meantime, that brings us to the conclusion of this week's Gun Guy Show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you come back next week. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in Central Indiana for the Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7.